Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Eileen, and as always, joining me is Colleen. How you doing, Colleen? I'm good. It's rainy and foggy today, which is my favorite weather. Uh, yes. But besides that, I'm good. I had a long weekend, so that was nice. But other than that, not much. How are you? I'm good. You know, worked a bit over the weekend, and I played Elite Dangerous on our VR setup. <laughs> so Elite Dangerous, it's an MMO game, and you're like a spaceship pilot. And it's amazing in VR, and we have like a flight stick and a throttle setup. <laughs> So for you gamers out there, it's called a HOTUS setup, you know, the, the joysticks. Anyways, Emily made me this really cool seat that I sit in and I have my joystick and my, you know, my flight stick and my throttle. And I know you've tried it before. Um, I like but it. It's kinda, fun. It's really fun, right? But a side story for you guys out there for Colleen and VR and flying. <laughs> so uh, it's my favorite time of playing with Colleen. We were playing with a flight simulator and with the stick setup and... You decided to try the Airbus instead of the Cessna. And I said something like, hey, Colleen, you know, you have to. And she cut me off and goes, I know what I'm doing, Eileen. And then two seconds later, I just see the Airbus crashing, plummeting into the ground. <laughs> I would say that in that moment, right before crashing the VR plane into the ground, I did feel like I know what I was doing. But <laughs> that does sound like a lot of fun, though. I do like that game a lot. It was fun. Anyways, yeah. Then I just worked on some Patreon stuff. So everyone, so sorry. We are behind, but they will go out this week and just obviously worked on misconduct stuff. But uh, yeah, that was it. And then also speaking of next week, we will be taking the week of Thanksgiving off next Thursday. We won't have an episode, but we will be back on the 30th with a new case that I'm really passionate about. And I'm excited to tell the story and we're going to get fired up. But what else is new? (laughs) So With that, let's get to today's case, and we have another suggestion from Vanessa. She suggested Junko Furuta before, and thank you, Vanessa, for this suggestion. In May of 1988, Rebecca White and Claudia Brenner were spending a romantic weekend camping and hiking along the Appalachian Trail in Pennsylvania's Michoud State Forest. After an encounter with a stranger, when Rebecca used an outhouse at their first campsite, they decided to hike further down the trail for more privacy. During their hike to their second location, they encountered the same man, this time with a gun casually laid across his shoulders. They didn't assume too much other than that he was a drifter or a hunter, and everybody just went their own way. After finding a secluded hollow four miles from the closest road, they set up camp, and thinking they were alone, they started to be intimate. Without warning, Claudia and Rebecca would find themselves under fire. Eight shots rang out, and in a few moments, Claudia would have been shot five times and Rebecca twice. Unable to walk, Rebecca told Claudia to keep the pressure on her wounds and go get help. Claudia hiked four miles to the nearest road and found a ride to the local police station. 
Rebecca died that night in the forest, Claudia survived, and Stephen Roy Carr, who shot the two women because, quote, he was enraged by the sight of two women having sex, and that the, quote, two women taunted him by having sex in front of him, was caught ten days later. Tonight, we'll take you through Rebecca and Claudia's story and how Claudia devoted herself to fighting anti-gay bias and became an advocate for the advancement of anti-hate legislation. In 1987, Claudia Brenner met Rebecca White while they were graduate students at Virginia Tech. There was a small lesbian community there and they met at a women's group and Rebecca was smart, engaging, beautiful, and loved the outdoors. Admittedly, it's easily to idealize the relationship is perfect, according to Claudia, but her memories of her girlfriend and their relationship was just that. It was a perfect one. They were dating almost two years, and in 1988, Rebecca was still at Virginia Tech finishing her master's degree in business administration, and they carried on a long-distance relationship while Claudia was in New York. Claudia and Rebecca would plan weekend trips together because they had a long-distance relationship. These weekend trips were special for them, and this trip was even more special. For all the normal reasons, you know, they're together, they can talk and connect, but this weekend they also had to make some decisions, like where Rebecca would go for further schooling and about their future together. It was really a beautiful and exciting time for the two. In May of 1988, the couple planned a trip to Pennsylvania, and it was a great location for a few reasons. One, it was equidistance for them to drive, and Rebecca thought it would be fun to hike the Appalachian Trail. Rebecca was a big outdoorsy person. She loved backpacking, hiking, and camping. On May 12, 1988, a Thursday, the girls met, parked their cars at Dead Woman Hollow, and hiked into the Pennsylvania Machau State Forest. They found a campsite to stay the night. While they were tent camping, this particular spot had a fire pit, a lean-to, an outhouse, and they were completely alone. They stayed the night, and on the morning of May 13th, Rebecca got out of the tent to use the restroom. She wasn't fully clothed and thinking, you know, that they were the only two in the area. She was surprised by a man, Stephen Roy Carr, who was hanging out in the lean-to. He asked her if she had any cigarettes. Rebecca said no. He asked if the, quote, other one had any, and Rebecca replied no, and went back to the tent. Rebecca told Claudia about the stranger she ran into. They weren't frightened, just uncomfortable, as Rebecca wasn't fully clothed, and they weren't as alone as they thought. They were kind of more annoyed than anything. Given that he was there, they decided to pack up and move on to another campsite. So, looking at the map, they saw another great spot to set up camp not too far up the trail. Somewhere along the trail, not too far from where they came from, the girls stopped to check the map as they were going to be taking a side trail to get to their next campsite. Seemingly out of nowhere, Stephen Carr came up behind them and asked them if they were lost. This did surprise and make the girls uncomfortable because he was casually carrying a twenty-two rifle on his shoulders, and it was just strange that they ran into the same person again. Claudia answered no to his are you lost question, and they went their separate ways. The girls looked over their shoulders for a while as the encounter made them really uncomfortable, but assuming he was just another hunter or something, they soon forgot about it and they were able to relax and continued to enjoy their weekend getaway. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. 
And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. They were on a loop trail that took them to see some amazing vistas that had some steep hills and ended in a remote campsite. It was a nice wooded area with a little bubbling stream where you could put your water bottles in, you know, to chill them. They made their camp in the mid to late afternoon. They set up their tent and lounged by the stream. They cuddled and kissed and they were just enjoying their time alone. Then all of a sudden there was a loud noise and Claudia's right arm just above her elbow exploded with blood. Disoriented, Claudia didn't realize what was happening at first. She says she thought that maybe there was a natural disaster that was happening She just didn't have, you know, any context to realize that she had just been shot. Then she was shot again. Rebecca knew immediately and told Claudia to get down. And then Claudia was shot again and again and again, the last one hitting the top of her head. When Rebecca realized that getting down wasn't going to help, she told Claudia to run behind the tree. So she did. Rebecca ran as well, but was blocked by Claudia and Rebecca was hit once in the neck and once in the back. They both made it behind the tree. Claudia was panicking, asking, you know, what do we do? What do we do? And Rebecca just said, stop the bleeding. Claudia was bleeding profusely from her neck, and their backpacks were a ways away. But not thinking, just reacting, Claudia ran and grabbed the towels from their packs and wrapped her neck and brought the other towel for Rebecca. Rebecca complained about her back hurting, but there wasn't any blood. Claudia contemplated removing the bullet from her back herself, but realized that she shouldn't and probably couldn't do that. Claudia said, you know, we got to get out of here and started to get ready to go. She got her sneakers on and then brought Rebecca's sneakers to her. Even though her sneakers were right next to Rebecca, Rebecca couldn't see them. Rebecca then tried to walk, but she couldn't. They were four miles from the nearest road, and Claudia knew that she couldn't carry Rebecca, and quite frankly, I'm not even sure how Claudia was walking herself after being shot five times. So Claudia made the hardest decision, and she covered Rebecca with a sleeping bag so she wouldn't get cold, and she left to go get help. Something took over Claudia, and she hiked four hard miles to the State Forest Road, She saw a car, and unfortunately that car kept driving past her, so she kept walking. She noticed along the road that there were homes, and she contemplated breaking into one of them, but thought against it because she was scared that he would be there. She was scared that he was following her, too, so she just kept walking. Finally, after it got dark, she found a more major road, and she walked towards the sounds of vehicles and flagged down a car by making large circles with her flashlight. Right away, a car pulled over and two young kids were in the car and picked Claudia up and took her to Shippensburg, Pennsylvania's fire and police station. Claudia was immediately taken to a trauma center and the police went to find Rebecca. Claudia got to the trauma center and told her nurse that if they found out Rebecca didn't make it, 
not to tell her until after she had surgery. Now, by this time, Claudia's friends and family were notified and were on their way down to Pennsylvania. And the following morning, Claudia's closest friend broke the news to her. When the police got to Rebecca, they found her dead. You know, saying she was devastated probably doesn't cover her feelings properly. And honestly, I can't even imagine what she went through and would go through learning that Rebecca had died. I know she was faced with an impossible decision and she ended up making it to go get help against all odds. Yeah. It's just so awful and heartbreaking that like, you know, she makes it, but it's like too late for Rebecca. It's just, it's unbelievably tragic. Yeah. So Claudia was in the hospital for 11 days. And during those 11 days, she was recovering and helping the police find the man responsible. The police found 25 rounds of 22 caliber ammunition and a hat at the scene. They also brought in an FBI artist to create a composite sketch. Police actually had four potential suspects in mind already, but after seeing Claudia's sketch, they were able to pinpoint their prime suspect, Stephen Roy Carr. Stephen was a known wanderer. He lived in the woods. He had been in prison in Florida and had made anti-gay comments while in prison in Florida. An extensive manhunt was conducted to find Stephen, but how he was eventually caught was interesting. Stephen was hiding in a Mennonite community, and since Mennonites don't read newspapers or watch TV, nobody knew that he was a suspect in a murder and a shooting. That was until a member who secretly watched some TV recognized Stephen from the sketch on the news and called the police. Ten days later, on May 23, 1988, Stephen Roy Carr was arrested for the shooting of Claudia and for Rebecca's murder. Stephen waived his right to a jury trial in exchange for the prosecution not to seek the death penalty. Stephen's attorney argued that he was provoked to anger because he saw the two women having sex and they taunted him by having sex in front of him. And I say, fuck you. A, you followed them. B, you decided to watch them. And see, go fuck yourself again. And honestly, though, he seems to have followed them. I wonder if he had intentions of hurting them from the start. I don't know. What do you think? You know, I would say that he followed them with the intention of hurting them. He popped up multiple times in their area. And I mean, fuck off with that pathetic defense. Seriously, I will. I have literally no patience for that. Seriously. His attorney also claimed that he was raped in prison and also sexually abused as a child. So Rebecca and Claudia's, you know, lesbianism caused him inexplicable rage. Gladly, that wasn't a successful argument. And the judge ruled Stephen's psychosexual history irrelevant and also did not allow the relationship between Claudia and Rebecca to be introduced either. This basically forced the defense to cut a deal and Stephen Roy Carr was sentenced to life without parole. In March of 1991, Stephen's appeal, based on the decision to disallow his psychosexual history in his first trial, was denied. Claudia obviously had a hard time coping with this tragedy. In an interview, she said that at first she needed to control everything, like down to the way the clock was tilted. Basically, anything she could control, she would, and she also had an irrational fear of bad things happening. When asked about how long it took for her to recover from her PTSD, she says it's hard to say that you ever 100% recover from PTSD, but she feels like she's okay most of the time. I think she's right. While I've never, you know, had anything close to her experience, you know, but I've experienced loss, you know, my parents' death and friends' death. And, you know, there's a saying that, oh, it gets better, you know, but in reality, it doesn't. You just kind of learn to cope with your new normal, which for me, you know, it's like missing my father every day. 
It's not a cynical outlook, I, I don't think. It's just what happens. So I, I see what she's saying, I guess. I, I agree. I think that you kind of learn to deal with what, you know, this is your new reality. This is what it is now. So you learn to kind of live with that. But mm. I, I just can't imagine being in her position. No. God. Yeah. Claudia went on to finish her schooling and became an architect and also an activist. She's an active speaker against anti-gay violence and advocated for anti-bias crime legislation. In 1990, President George H.W. Bush signed into law the Hate Crime Statistics Act. This law requires the attorney general to collect data on crimes committed because of the victim's race, religion, disability, sexual orientation, or ethnicity. This was the first law of its kind and the first federal law to mention sexual orientation. Claudia was in attendance when the bill was signed into law, and since 1992, the FBI publishes an annual report on hate crime statistics, which, incidentally, the report for 2016 came out recently. Claudia also wrote a book about her experience and Rebecca's death titled Eight Bullets, One Woman's Story of Surviving Anti-Gay Violence, and it's available on Amazon. Also in 2015, a short documentary was released titled In the Hollow. It's very good, and we'll link it in the show notes and on the website, and you can hear Claudia's interview on a BBC radio program as well. A link to that will be available also. An interesting side note, the attorney that defended Stephen ran for a seat on the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania as a Republican, and during the campaign, his defense argument of Stephen became an issue. The prosecutor in the case said that the argument was a, quote, ruse to slander the victims, but he also noted that everyone is deserving of a rigorous defense, and he had to use every tactic he thought he could to benefit his client. And what do you think of that? Because, you know, I do, I do believe everyone is deserving of a defense, even horrible, awful people. And legal ethics are kind of interesting because they're not so black and white. But I still don't like that he was using the whole kind of gay panic as a thing to defend violence against LGBT people. Hell, I'm sure the same was used when race crimes would happen, you know. And while someone, everyone is deserving deserving of a rigorous defense, I still think you need to use facts and being someone working and representing the courts, our system, it's just a bit irresponsible. I don't know. Maybe I'm not making sense. What do you think? Do you, I mean, do you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, uh, yeah. I, under, I think I get what you're saying. You know, I do think everybody deserves a rigorous defense. It's kind of what our whole criminal justice system laws are based on. Mm -hmm. However, that particular defense would only be used to play on any biases that the judge or jury or the general public had about lesbians. Right. Gay panic defenses are only successful if the people who hold the fate of the defendant in their hands have an anti-gay bias. So I think that it's incredibly irresponsible and has no place in a courtroom. Just like right. it, discrimination kind of based on like a stereotype or whatever, or a, just a fundamental dislike of any race of a person mm -hmm. has no place in a courtroom. I, you don't right. get to like commit crimes based on someone's religion or what you don't race. like about someone's religion, race, sexual orientation, ethnicity, etc. Right. These women were minding their own business, and he decided to try and take their lives. That was his decision and his decision alone. And that's what right. I think about that. It makes me mad. <laughs> yeah. No, good. Yeah, it does. Because I was like, uh, you know, I mean, I get it on one hand, but it's like, no, that's not okay. No. But uh, yeah, so for... For some final thoughts, this was a really interesting case. You know, I, I honestly never had heard of it. But before I kind of dive into my thoughts on, you know, this case in particular, 
when researching this and any other case about a killing that is racially or sexual preference or just, you know, kind of hate motivated, of course, you're going to run across other stories. One article, which we'll link in the notes as well, it was called, you know, quote, when being a lesbian makes you a target. And I was just kind of horrified about these few stories I ran across, some from several years ago and some pretty damn recent. And I wanted to share a few of their stories from that article specifically, because sadly, there's still so many occurrences of the shit here in the U.S., you know. In 1996, 24-year-old Julianne Williams and 26-year-old Lolly Winnens took their dog to Virginia's Skyline Drive on the Appalachian Trail. They were later found bound and gagged with their throats slit, and a man was indicted for the crime. He said that he targeted the couple because they were gay and they deserved to die because they were lesbian. He was later proved innocent, so their crimes are still not solved. But as you can see, there is kind of the sentiment there for someone. In 2009, Teresa Butts and Jennifer Hopper were sleeping in their home in Seattle when Isaiah Kalebu broke in and raped and stabbed them. Teresa died, but Jennifer managed to escape. In court, Isaiah said he watched the women for days and, quote, I was there and was told by my God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to attack my enemies, and I did so. In 2015, Coast Guard Petty Officer Lisa Trebnikova was shot and killed after her ex-coworker, fellow Coast Guard Adrian Loya, broke into Lisa and her wife Anna's house in Massachusetts and opened fire. Lisa died and Anna survived. Adrian apparently was fixated on Lisa since they worked together and he knew that she was gay. These are only a few stories I know and only here in the U.S., which is insane to me that these things are still happening. And it's not just to our LGBT communities, but also minority communities. And oftentimes these crimes are A, underreported and B, not even considered hate crimes legally. Maybe growing up in California, not even a maybe. We're kind of a bit of a bubble here. I just sit here and think, how does this still happen? Then I see what's going on around the country and the government. I mean, 2009 is when the United States passed the Hate Crimes Prevention Act, which finally included sexual orientation in the protections of the law. 2009. It's not that long ago. (laughs) And what's even more unnerving is Lisa and Teresa's cases. While they're called hate crimes, they were not charged legally as a hate crime. And while they got good sentences for what they did, so that's good and everything, I still think it should be on record legally that they murdered these women because they were gay. We have legislators still trying to pass laws that exclude LGBT, bathroom laws, removing legal protections and rolling back equal benefits, etc. So sometimes I'm just like, really, is this where we are right now in 2017, almost 2018? So I was just floored going through all these stories. And I know there's more and I know it's not just the LGBT community and also not just in the U.S. There's atrocities committed against minorities around the world. I guess I just forget sometimes just how scary the world can be for people. And again, being gay and living in California, specifically for me in San Francisco, I'm protected a bit or at least I feel more secure. I can walk outside holding my wife's hand or I can kiss her on the street and I'm not scared. But then I remember even to this day, there are people who cannot walk outside and hold their wife's hand or husband's because there's a real danger of being assaulted or killed because they're gay, lesbian, trans, whatever. It's just it's just really scary and sad. But you have people like Claudia who survived an attack like this. And it's so tragic. But she took it and she advocated and she actually made you know a difference. She made the world a little better. 
I agree. And I, I like everything that you said. I agree with everything that you said. I feel like <laughs> rant over. It was, it was a little rant, but it was a good rant. It's, I think Sorry. it's a necessary <laughs> rant. No, I mean, rant is not a bad thing. I think it needs right. to be said. And I think you said it very well. Um, I had not heard of this case before. And like I said, I agree with your sentiments. I'm just at a loss as to how these types of crimes happen today, let alone, you know, we have these stories that have happened like in our lifetimes. It's just it's disheartening and it's sad. Mm -hmm. And I hope that, you know, as a society, we move forward, not backwards. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, going through Claudia and Rebecca's story, you know, it's so heartbreaking, obviously, to not know what could have been. Rebecca was taken from her and she died at the hands of a coward. But Claudia, she was shot five times. I mean, let that sink in. She was shot five times in the neck, the arm, the top of the head. She then covered Rebecca with a sleeping bag and walked four miles, bleeding out, walking four miles for help. So I think she's a badass. If she didn't do that, if she was too scared to go or if she waited any longer, I mean, this could have been a really different story. But she didn't. And then she went on to do amazing things. She didn't let Stephen define any more of her life. She started her career that she had planned, and then she advocated for gay rights. I think this is one of the strongest women I've ever had the pleasure of researching. Definitely check out the resources, the documentary, and all the links that we'll have on you know the website and, and in the show notes as well. Just really interesting stuff. And a huge thank you to Vanessa again for this recommendation. Yeah, thanks, Vanessa, for sending us the case. And I, I can't stress enough how upsetting this case was for me. It's just so hard to think that you have two people who are in love, minding their own business, and then some bigot comes along and just decides to kill them. Yeah. It reminds me of the Angie Zapata case and that one okay. person causes so much pain for so many people based on their own just, you know, excuse my language, bullshit biases. I'm glad Steven's in jail for life. I think he deserves to be there. And I think Claudia is just an awesome person. It's remarkable that she found the strength to do as she did after being attacked like that. And I'm glad she decided to take her experience and use it as a platform to fight on behalf of others. I think that shows what a truly remarkable person she is. Definitely, definitely. And that is our case for the week. But before we go, we have a couple housekeeping items to take care of. First off, we want to say thank you to some of our listeners who took the time to leave us a five-star review. Thank you to, okay, bear with me, DDDDDDF, JCGI, and FICWA. I hope I said that right. For your reviews, uh, leaving reviews on Apple Podcasts really helps the show out. Plus, we love to hear from you guys, so thank you. We also want to say thank you to some of our new Patreon supporters. Thank you, Retsy and Oki, for your amazing generosity. You guys are too kind. If you are liking the show or are interested in checking out some of our merch, head over to patreon.com forward slash misconduct podcast to check out some of our stuff. And stay tuned after the show for a promo from our pod friend at Mirths and Monsters. Join CK and his companion dog Finn as they take a less than serious look at mythical creatures and legends. Our good friend Brooke, you may know her by her Twitter handle, Brooke underscore pod junkie, runs their social media and groups. And this podcast is just really fun and awesome. Give it a go and join the group. And that wraps us up for another episode of Misconduct. Thank you so much for joining us. Head on over to our Facebook group to discuss this week's case. If you're not already a member, join and one of our mods will add you ASAP. We love to hear your thoughts and opinions on the cases, so hop on over and let us know what you think. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at MisconductPod. We also want to give a huge shout out to the Blank Tapes for our intro and outro music. You can check them out on Bandcamp to listen to more of their stuff. 
If you have a case suggestion, let us know about it. You can email us at misconductpodcast at gmail.com, and we will see you next week. Well, hello, my friends. I am CK, and I'm the host of a new and amusing podcast called Mirths and Monsters. Ever wondered about the cry of the haggis? Okay, they do. Or wondered if a man and his canine companion, Sailofin, could travel back in time to watch a celebrity deathmatch between St. George and the Dragon? Wonder no more. All these are answered, and more, on Mirths and Monsters. Available on iTunes, Podbean, and Soundcloud. Catch me on Twitter at Mirths and Monsters or Mirths and Monsters Pod at gmail.com. Till next time, Slanja, your health. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.